Today's daf is daf Lama Dalit, page 34 in the Heligam Masechah Saita. And we are going to pick up from Omar Loi Rebbe Lazar Rabbi Shimon. Okay, which is one, two, three, four, five, six lines from the top of the Amr. Omar Loi Rebbe Lazar Rabbi Shimon. Rebbe Lazar Rabbi Shimon said to Rabbi Yehuda, Lidvarecha, according to your opinion, now, Adam Kal, Aymayim Kalim. Which one's faster? Humans or water? Have a Yaymer, Mayim Kalim. Water is faster, which means water should move a lot smoother and quicker than a person. Imkain, if so. What should have happened is that the water should come and drown Klal Yisrael. Because according, what, what Rebuta said, let's remind ourselves. Rebuta taught us that as they, the Kahanim put their feet into the water, so the water split, and then the, the, um, the, right, the, uh, there were walls that went up all the way more than 12 mil, and then they went back to their normal, uh, to their, uh, normal flow, to the normal current. The problem is, that if they went back afterwards, people are still going to be in the middle of the Yamsuf, in the middle of the, I'm sorry, the Yardin, and the water would come down on them, and it, was, should have, uh, it should have drowned them. So you can't say that the water only went up 12 mil, because otherwise, everybody had to go through, and the water had to go away. But the water could have crashed down on them. Okay, good, good. So let's see. So he's going to come up with another... Uh, another um, Mitzias, uh, we'll call it, in order to explain. Sometimes he has a question for the purpose of getting to an answer. All right, so here we go. What happened was that he says the water was even higher. Kifin al gabi kifin, and the the kifin literally means um, arches. Okay, it formed like it kept getting more and more, but it was, it was forming arches above their heads. Yasser mil until it went so high. That it was 300 mil, meaning like beyond, you know, uh, up to the sky, or as kids say, up to the Shemayim, right? Now, the purpose of it being so high is so that the kings of the other nations could see the water. When all the Malchim heard that were by the Ebra Yardin, they heard all that Akadish Baruchu. Had dried up, Havish, right, from the word Yavish, the waters of the Yardain, Mipne Bne Yisrael, Ad Avram, until they passed over. But Yimas Levavam, and the king's hearts were Yimas. Yimas means like they softened, they kind of like melted away, they, they wimped out. Yeah. Um, and this took away any sort of, uh, uh, any sort of uh, ability for them to fight against Klal Yisrael. The Af, Rochav Azayna. This is after the Jews already entered. Yeah, that's right. We're entering Eretz Yisrael now, and even afterwards, their hearts had melted. So they weren't going to mess with us. It was too no. big of a miracle for the, for them to yeah, uh, no, to over. So that was proper because they weren't going to fight them. They were going to fight them on the other side of the Arden. They had nothing to fight. Yeah, inside Eretz Yisrael. But it went so high so that they could see it in Eretz Yisrael so that when we came right. in, right. there wasn't any sort of uh, right. any, any sort of shy over here about them messing with us. Right. 
And Rokh Vazayna said to the messengers of Yeshua, right, Yeshua, we know, sent the, um, the Meraglim to the city of Yericho to see what was going on. And Rokh Vazayna had, uh, had hid them to protect them. So she said to them, Kishamanu, you should know. Now, one of the things that the Meraglim came to check out is, is there going to be much resistance? And Rachav said, no, there's not going to be resistance. You know why? Kishamanu, because we heard, This that Hashem had dried up the Yamsuf, the, the, uh, and we didn't, uh, you know, and we didn't have the chutzpah to mess with Klal Yisrael anymore. Oidam by Yardain, while Klaiso was still in the Yardain, Omar Lahem Yeshua. Yeshua gave a drasha, and he said, Do you should know, you should know why we're crossing through the Yardain. It's very important for a Yid not only to know what to do, but to also know why we're doing what we're doing. Why are we crossing the Yardain? Why are we having these miracles? Why does a Yid want to go to Eretz Yisrael? Because you want to eat shawarma? Is that why we're going? Because there's good candy and there's good food and there's a... There, yeah. Why are we going? So he says, I'll tell you, We're going because HaKadosh Baruch who wants us to inherit the land and the Canaanim do not belong there. There's times where a Jew has to know what's, what, what's, what's yours is yours and now's the time where we're getting what's ours. Shinamar as it says, you're going to inherit uh, the, the land, and you're going to remove all those who currently dwell in the land. And if you're willing, and you can, you can get into the psyche of what it means to be a Jew for, for ourselves. You're going in. You've never been in Eretz Yisrael. Notice, we've never been. We, we're Egyptians. In our mindset, we're Egyptians. We know this is what it is. There's people who live here, and we're coming in and saying, on Shuldix, excuse me, everybody get out. It's not in our DNA to do that. It's not, right? It's not in the DNA. Yeshua is giving a Musr drasha in the Yardin where he says, Chevra, this is not the time to wimp out. This is not the time to be nice. HaKadosh Baruch Hu owns the world. And if Hashem said that the land of our soul is ours, we're responsible to make it ours. That's our achrayis. And if there's people living here that don't belong here, they're squatters. They need to leave. They have no rights. They have no rights to being here. If you're willing to join in this mochama, this this uh, battle to to have bnei am yisrael in eretz yisrael, good. The imlav, and if not, the water will come and and uh, and uh, and oisicham uh, oisicham um, is how you pronounce it. My oisicham. What does it mean? It's gonna it's gonna wipe away oisicham. What does that mean? Oisicham. Okay. We're, we're all going to drown. In other words, HaKadosh Baruch is doing this miracle on condition that we, we, we take part in doing what's right over here. And sometimes doing what's right is not easy, but you got to make sure that, that uh, you know, that, that Eretz Yisrael ends up in the hands of Klal Yisrael. You can't say it's not right. Huh? You can't say it. What's not right? What we're doing, you can't say it's not right. Of course it's right. But they might feel like, a uh, Yid might feel like it's not right. And he says it is right. Right. And it is. It is. This is a great, because Baruch Hu decides what, we, what it is. So now, now we're still in the Yardim. Now Yeshua is giving us these drushes while we're standing. The water's piling up over here. Yeah. Every person should pick up an Evan, every person should pick up a stone. Al Shikhmay on his shoulders, Lemispar Shifte Bene Yisrael, 
for the amount of shvatim the Aram Bnei Yisrael luksiv, and it says the mantiu zayis eispeker. This is going to be a sign in your midst. Because in the future, Bnei Yisrael, your children are going to ask you tomorrow, saying, "You're going to erect these stones, and they're going to say, what are these stones doing here?'" And these stones are going to be erected as a sign for our children that that uh, our forefathers crossed over the Yarden. And while we're in the Yarden, Yeshua also said, You should take from within the Yarden, Mimatzav, uh, from the um, firm placement, where the legs of the Kahanim are, You should establish 12 stones. This is fascinating. Not only did we erect stones outside of the Yarden once we crossed by the entrance of Eretzor, there were 12 stones erected in the Yarden. Okay? There were 12 stones for each Shevet that... The Navi tells us, right? It's, it's, it was firm and it's going to remain in the Yardin. It was ultimately covered over with water. So there's stones that are in the Yardin and then stones that we're going to schlep out of the Yardin to the place that we stayed that evening. I would think that every place where they slept, they, they had to erect all these stones. Tonight, wherever we stay tonight, that's where these stones of memorial uh, our, uh, for each shevet that we crossed over is going to be erected. So, so far we have three messages that while we're standing in the middle of the Yardin, Yeshua told us. Number one is, know why you're going in. We're going in because it's ours. That's number one. Number two is that we should take the stones and erect them for the purpose of our future generations. We need a reminder that not only should we know from this miracle, but our later generations need to be told about uh, Klai Yisrael bring us through the Yardin. And the third one was to take stones as well uh, uh, outside of the Yardin and to erect them in the place that we're going to sleep tonight. Okay. Amr Abhud Abhud says, Abba Chalafta, Rebbe Lazar ben Masya, Vechanani ben Chachinoi, Omdu Alaysa Avonim. They stood next to these stones. Vishiarum Kolachas, Vachas Kula Karbom saw. And each one of them uh, equaled about 20 saw. Okay. Now, 20 saw is an enormous size stone. I don't know the exact measurements of the stone. Um, it's, uh, it's about, it, put, put it, according to the saw liquid measurement, a mikvah has to be 40 saw, which is about 200 gallons. It's close to 200 gallons of water. All right. So, um, you know, if each one was about 40 saw, just imagine the weight that uh, a person had to uh, had to schlep with them, huh? Yeah, forty saw is about the weight of two hundred gallons. Uh, that that you know each of these stones were. Ugmiri de tuna de madla ugmiri, and we have a mesira. We have a tradition. The tuna, the burden. This is such a beautiful concept, Chaver. De madla inish lekaspe that takes himself to put on his shoulder. Tulsa de tuna have. Listen to this. Is a messiah. Once we're talking about heavy weights, says the Gemara, if I can lift up something by myself and put it on my shoulder, if somebody else were to put it on my shoulder, I can carry three times that amount. Meaning, to lift something up by myself and put it on my shoulder is going to be one third of what, a, of what I could carry if somebody, if other people were to lift it up and just place it directly on my shoulder. Okay, that's the that's the messiah. And it's letting us know this 
through uh, through the the weight of uh, the weight of these stones. Now, why is the Gemara pointing this out? Because this is beautiful for life, right? There's a the, the amount that we can shoulder, the amount that we can uh, th- that a person can handle. If I'm by myself, I can handle one third of what I can handle when there's other people with me helping me place. Even though the burden's totally on me, there's nobody else has to carry. But there's people there, and they're with me. And they're the ones who are standing, I'll be able to carry three times that amount uh, and, and handle it both, fi, uh, both uh, literally and figuratively. And from here, also we could figure out uh, um, how heavy the grapes were by the maraglim, by the spies. Because remember, the spies had these long poles and there were two of them carrying these long poles and these, these uh, heavy clusters all together. Now, uh, what does it say about the uh, clusters of grapes when the Maraglim went to spy out Eretz Yisrael? Shenemar, as, uh, as it says in the Pasuk, uh, and they carried Bamait in, with a pole, Bishnayim. Two people carried with a pole. Mimashma Shenemar Bamait, from the fact that it says they carried it with a pole, yeah, well, if you have a pole, usually. You're not going to have one person carrying it with a pole. What would I carry it by my hand, with my hands? I'm just going to lift up the cluster. Wouldn't I know there's two people? That's the purpose of a pole, to grab each end. What does it mean? You know what it means? It means It doesn't only mean one pole, but it means that each cluster of grapes rested on two poles. There were two poles for, uh, there, there were two poles for each cluster of grapes that needed to be carried. Nomar Rabbi says, "Tortoni vitortoni de that there was um, there the, these grapes were so heavy that there was a it was as if they were schlepping plus a schlepping plus a schlepping. What does that mean? They were schlepping plus a schlepping plus a schlepping. What does this mean? How does this pan out? nasu Okay, eight meraglim carried one. Cluster of grapes. Eight. Now how many were there total? Well, how many, how many spies were there? Twelve. Twelve. How many were part of the, uh, part of the problem? Ten. Ten. Ten, right? So, what did they bring back? Listen to this. Eight of them slept one cluster. Because they had, they had loads, uh, they had a bunch of poles that this one cluster needed to sit on. Echad Nasarimain, one had to hold a pomegranate. Okay, so you have this big closet. One's holding a pomegranate, so we're up to nine. Uh, nine. Another one slept, ah, fig, big, big fig. Yeshua v'kalev nasuklum. They said, we're not taking part of this. Yeshua and Kalev didn't, uh, weren't mishtatif in this avera at all. Okay, so you see from over here that, um, you know, if each person could carry, when you have help, Three times the amount of a single person. So what do we say? A single person can carry up to 40 saw on their shoulders. If somebody helps you put it on, you can carry 120, 120 saw. And then you times that by eight. So 120 times eight, that was the weight. Times it by eight. Because, because there were eight meraglim that carried a single cluster. So that means eight cl- each cluster weighed 120 saw times eight. 960. So it's 960 uh, saws here. You're basically filling up like eight mikvahs. You know that was the size. Of, that was the size of uh, of these clusters. Now, why didn't Yeshua and Kalev schlep the grapes? Either because they were uh, they were chashuv, 
Chashur people shouldn't be the ones doing all the, the heavy work. They, they knew why the fruits were being brought back and they didn't want to, even though, see, what, uh, officially, why were the fruits being brought back? To show the beauty of Arizal. Be sure and Kalev knew what was happening. They knew the they knew the culture and the tone of what was happening, and they said, "We're not being part of this," and and uh, they refused to uh, they refused to help out. Which is another powerful idea. Another, you know, we discussed the the powerful idea how much a person could carry. You can carry so much more when you're with others, but you have picture the 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 profound psychology when you have twelve. Gedailim. These people were tzaddikim. Mama tzaddikim. And you have Yeshua and Kalev that realize something smells. Something smells. And everybody else is saying, no, this is, this is Mamish. This is a mitzvah. This is a mitzvah. And, and there's, like they're walking the whole way back. It's not just a one-time decision. See, to make a stand up for a one-time decision, to walk back from Canaan, Back into the midbar, and all your chaverim are like schwitzing out there. They're all like, oh, we're going to do this. This is a mitzvah. We're going to show Kaisal. And Yeshua and Kalev are just like, nothing doing. We're not helping. We're not part of this. We're, we're, we're hands in our pockets. We will not touch a grape. We're not helping you with the pomegranate. We're not helping. You think Memstachet at least help out the covers. People are doing the wrong thing. You stay away. That's it. Stay away. And, they, and not just the ones, but the, the entire time that they were traveling. This takes godless. It takes uh, real, uh, uh, true greatness. And that's why the Quran is pointing it out to us. Because sometimes we feel like that. Sometimes a person, to do the right thing, you have to not only do it uh, once, but you have to trudge along when everybody else is telling you that you're a, you're a loser and, uh, and we're the ones who are doing mitzvahs and you're the one that's wrong. And, you gotta, and we're schwitzing and where's your menschlichkeit? All right? All right. We're doing it for the Rabbanishla. That's it. You know, it's... Such a such a beautiful uh, lesson that the Gemara is bringing out for us. Okay, Pligi ba Rav Ami Rav We have a machlokes between Rav Ami and Rav Yisrael Omar, one opinion is that Lib Rabbi Yehuda, according to Rabbi Yehuda, Kichaniyason Avru, they crossed the Yarden Kichaniyason the same way that they camped. Okay, which means. Again, Rabbi Yehuda held that the water went 12 mil up, top line of Ahmed Beis. Beis, top line. Okay? He said it went up 12 mil. The encampment of Klal Yisrael was 12 mil. That was the size of the encampment. So they crossed the Yardin the same way that they camped. But according to Rabbi Shimon, now what did he say? Remember, he said it wasn't 12 mil. He said there was mamish like arches. That went all the way up, so that all the kings from all the countries could be able to see. Says, you know what happened? Kaisal walked through the Yardin, single file, like soldiers in an army. Okay? It took a, it took a long time, and the water kept piling up, 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 until each person, uh, each person uh, walked through. Now, Marsovar, one opinion was Bain Mar. Bain Mar u Bain Mar kechani yason avru Mar Savar Adam Kal u Mar Savar Mayim Kalim. Okay, you could say that really, um, or or you or you could say so one approach is that there's mechlokes about how we crossed. Either we crossed the same way we camped, or we crossed single file. Or you could say that really everybody agrees we crossed the way that we camped, 
But the Machoikas is how fast we ultimately went through. Okay. If you say that at that time, the people went the same speed as the water, or one went faster than the other, okay, so then, then you, could, uh, you could say that, that uh, either opinion holds that it was, they, they, it was a, a matter of encampment, it's just a matter of which one went faster. Okay. Now, the rest of the, not the rest of the Gemara, but the Gemara for the next little bit, we touched on the, uh, we touched on the Miraglim, we touched on the story of the spice. Okay, we were discussing weights and how much they shoulder. So now we're going to just stick with this Maisa of the Maraglim and Parsha Shlach. We're going to go through, uh, go through some of that information. Shlach Lecha Anoshem. HaKadosh Baruch Hu told Maisha, send for you men. Okay, so this is the Gemara that Rashi quotes. What does it mean for you? Amari Shlakish, Shlach Lecha Midaitcha. Maisha, if you want to send spies and Kaisal wants you to send spies, I let you, but I'm not the one telling you to go. Shlach lecha. Don't do it for me, says God. Do it for yourself. It's what they want, you can do it. Would a person choose a chelak ra for themselves, something bad? A person would do that... Uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, in a way where if Hashem would send us to be spies, nothing bad would come from it. That was a mitzvah to do. But since it wasn't a request of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Klal Yisrael wanted this, and they asked Moshe to ask Hashem whether it's okay. Hashem says, if you want to do it, you can do it. Right? We know. If you want to go on that path, you can go on that path. As Rabbi Shimon Russell was here a few weeks ago, he was talking to parents of Chinuch. I heard him speak a few years ago where he said over that he was talking to, um, he, he was talking to uh, a set of parents that were very, very tough on their kid. So he's a therapist, so they're tough on their kid. And they had a lot of chumras in their Judaism. A lot of chumras in Yiddishkeit. So he said... Where did they have the chumras? The, the parents were very machmir. group of parents. No, this was too... Sp- that he was talking to. Yeah, correct. Correct. And he said, you should know... That Torah is optional. He said they flipped out. What do you mean? Absolutely. He said when they all calmed down, he says, okay. You're all riled up? Fine. What does optional mean? Optional means you have options. You don't have to. Do you have to? Is anybody forcing you to? No. We're not a religion where if you do something wrong, you are eternally damned. A light bulb is going to come. A, a lightning bolt is going to come and nail you. Which means Hashem says you have bechira. That's what optional means. I have options. Not that you should, shouldn't. That's the choice you make, right? Torah is optional. You should do it because says in the Torah, You should choose. You should make the right choice. But for the fact that you have choice means that you have options. That's the options that are there. Hakadosh Baruch Hu allows us to have options. We could choose. He guides us what we should be choosing. But if we really want something, even if it's not the Ratzon Hashem, he'll let it happen. He lets it happen. That's what we're saying over here. Shalach Lecha Anoshim. Hashem's telling Moshe, he's not, he's not like even hiding behind this. He's saying, you could do it, but it's for you. No, it's not for me. You should know it is not for me. This is what Klai Yisrael is doing for themselves. And when you're doing something for yourself, there's harm that could come about. 
There is harm. That, that's a risk that you're taking. So, but the <laughs> Yeah, we have the place. This is why it says in the Torah, and it was good for me. Maisha Benu says, I was fine with them sending the Maraglim. I was okay with it, but Akadosh Baruch Hu was not the one who commanded that they should go. Beginning of the line, we're about eight lines, nine lines down from the top of the Amud Amr of Chia. Barabba says, Maraglim like Niskavno. Avram had Kavana for Rebarshan. The Maraglim had Kavana, El Baisha Shalarit Yisro. They wanted the busha of Eretz Yisrael. Now, what? The busha. Embarrassment of Eretz Yisrael. They didn't want it. That Eretz Yisrael should look good. Keep in mind a couple things. First of all, if we go into Eretz Yisrael, they lose their positions. We didn't have Nisiyim once we entered Eretz Yisrael. The Nisiyim's job was to lead us in the Midbar. So they're out of a job. That's number one. Number two is, some of the Mepharshim explain that for 40 years in the desert, the entire nation sat and learned in Kolo. The food came from heaven, water came from the land, and we learned Torah. We had just received the Torah 50, year, 50 days after leaving Mitzrayim. And all we did during the time is we sat and we, and we studied what it means to be a Jew. And now we're going to go into the land of Israel. And guess what? We're leaving Kolo. We're off to work. We're all going to start working the land. Everybody's going to be taking their own jobs. We're going to build communities. We're going to build cities. And, uh, and uh, Torah learning is going to be limited to, you know, however long it is per day. And the Nisim, some of the, some of the Bali Musa explain, had religious intentions to not go in there to show. What's going to be with all the Torah that's being learned? What's going to happen? We're all sitting in Kail. But what's the answer? God says, you have a mitzvah to get in there to show. You go work. That's what you do. You don't, you, you don't learn Torah for the sake of Torah. You learn Torah for God. If God wants you to do something else, you go do something else. That's the Ratz and Hashem. They went to spy out the land. They intended for there to be Busha. They didn't want Eretz to look good. It says over here, when they spy out the land, and it says, this is referring to the uh, the back and forth between the uh, the sun and the moon, right? Because Baruch Hu made the uh, the sun and the moon um, uh, equal originally, but then people came minimized the moon. But people also came. This is a pasuk from Navi where people were worshiping various uh, um, various uh, entities as of Zara. So they uh, you know they they worship the sun, they they uh, worship the moon. But eventually, people are going to be embarrassed that they did such a thing. How foolish of us! That's, a, that's the busha. How foolish of us that we, that we uh, worship things besides for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And these are the names of the Maraglim. Lamate Ruvein Shamua Ben Zakur. Omer Rabbi Yitzchak, Dover Zem Mesoyes Bedin Marbisin. We have a tradition from our fathers. Maraglim Hashem Haseim Nikru. Each uh, spy, each one of the Nesim that spied out Eretzrol were named according to their actions. V'anulay also v'yadinu Ella Echad. And he says, I know we were taught each of the names, but we only know, I only remember one of them. I only remember one name and why he received that name, which is Sasor ben Michael. His name was Sasor, the son of Michael. What does that mean? Sasor, Shesasar Maisov. He was, he like, contradicted his actions, Shalakadish Baruch, he contradicted the actions of Akadish Baruch. Michael, Shaatsai Atzmai Mach. He made himself very weak. All right? It was like, a, you know, he. he 
he went against the actions of Eretz Yisrael, and he also uh, he also made himself uh, made himself weak. He should have been stronger to uh, to stand up for Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Rabbi Yechon says, "Well, it's it's beautiful, uh, Rabbi Yitzchak, my Hilgar Rabbi Yitzchak. It's beautiful that you remember one of the names. I know some more names, and I'll tell you what they are." One of the Meraglim was Nachvi, the son of Vavsi. What does that mean? Nachbi means from hidden. Shehachbi Devarov, he hid the words Shal HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He hid the words of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. What does it mean he hid the words of HaKadosh Baruch Hu? So apparently he was one of the talkers, the speakers who came back afterwards, and he kind of hid behind... Uh, you know, this is what Hashem would want us to do. The way that he formulated his words. The Vavsi, what does Vavsi mean? Shepisa, he stepped, Pisios, he stepped, al of HaKadosh Baruch over the Midos of HaKadosh Baruch Okay? What does it mean he stepped on the Midos of HaKadosh Baruch So, think about it. If Hashem tells us to go into Eretz Yisrael, and you go spy out Eretz Yisrael, and you say what? We can't do it? What you're saying is, God can't do it. That's what you're saying. So you're stepping on the meat. This third bunch I'm like, oh yeah, we're, we're not strong enough. Yeah, what does that mean? Okay. Vayalu banegev. And they went up. The Meraglim went up in the south. Vayavoy ad Chevron. And they came to the city of Chevron. The Gemara says, it says, Vayalu. They went up. I'm just going back two words. Look, look at the grammar here. They went up. Vayavoy. And he came to Chevron. It should have said, Vayavoy. Ooh, they came to Chevron. Went off the derech from the Eitzah, from the advice of the Meraglim, and he himself walked into Hebron to Davin at the Marasamach Pela. And he said to Avram and Sarah, and Yitzchak and Rivka, and Rachel and Leah. Avoisai, my father's bikshuolai, Adam and Chava. Yeah. What? Rachel wasn't there. Rachel wasn't there, that's right. Avoisai, my father, bikshuolai, Rachamim, please daven for me. She'i notzel, me'atzas, me'rab, wah, 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 glim. Esav said was there. Yeah, but he's not talking to him. He says that I, I should be saved from the Esav Meraglim. So Kalev went and he davened for himself. Now, remember there were two tzaddikim. Chavra, this is so, there's a beautiful message here. Who else was a tzaddik? Yeshua. Only Kalev went to Hebron. Yeshua didn't seem to join him. Only he came to Hebron. What's Yeshua? Kvar bikesh Maishel Rachman. Maishel davened for Yeshua. Shenemar, as it says, Vikram Maishel Aishaya benon Yeshua, yo Yeshiyacham yatsas meragl. So Maishel davened for Yeshua, so Yeshua didn't have to daven. Kalev went by himself. And therefore it says, Vayavai. Now what's the question? So, the Mepharshim, huh? Oh, so, so the Mepharshim explains something beautiful here. However, they say something gavalt. And that is that Kalev and Yeshua, even though they were... Huh? Off? Yeah, no problem. Kalev and Yeshua, even though they were both tzaddikim, they had different personalities. You know, you ever go see a gadol Adar? Ever go to a gadol? Ever go to a gadol? Maybe? When people offer me to go visit a gadol, I, I usually say no. I just feel terrible. Like, why? Nebuch. The, the, this Gadol just wants to sit and learn and spend time with his family. And because I'm nosy and I, I want a bracha from him, I need to take him away from supper. I don't know. I just have this thing. Like, I just want to leave Gedalim alone. 
That's me. Other people are big Gedailim goers. They're running to Gedailim. And you know something? Nobody's wrong. It's be- I, think it's, I think it's a loss on my end that I have this personality. And the same, at the same time, I think the Mida is a good Mida. But th- th- there's a loss. Everything has a trade-off. Everything's a trade-off. A person who goes to Gedailim to be in the, the vicinity, in the environment of Gadol, we need to create balances within, within this. See, here we go. You have Kaliv and Yeshua. Moshe Rabbeinu knew Yeshua was his Talmud, and he knew Yeshua was a type of person. That is with the Bali Musa. I didn't get this on the on the, when I was going through Parsha. I saw this. I was going through the Psukim and Shlach. They said Moshe knew because you could ask why didn't Moshe daven for Kaliv? Mm-hmm. Right? Why is davening for Yeshua? So the Bali Musa say it's because Moshe knew that Yeshua was a type of person who he just took care of himself. He wasn't running to Kvarim. He wasn't, he wasn't going to go to Avram, Yisak, and Yaakov and, and beg for their mercy. Kalev had that other personality. He's, he's just running to Avram. I'm going to go, I'm gonna go talk to Avram. I'm going to go talk to Yitzhak. I'm running for Gedailim. I'm going to... Two Mahalchim, two Zachim. So Maisha knew his Talmud and he knew that he had Davim for Yeshua. He knew Kalev could hold it for himself. He knew Kalev could, uh, could Davim for himself. Okay. Behind the Chsiv. And this is why... And this is why it says, Va'abdi Kalev, Eikav Haisarucha Kharazimai. He says... But, uh, but my servant Kalev, because he had his own spirit, which means he davened by himself uh, and he went to Hebron. Ultimately, you see, by the way, that Kalev uh, inherited Hebron because of the schus of what he did. Okay, now, in Hebron, Visham Achiman, Shesha, Vitalmai, Vigomer. In Hebron, there were three giants. Their name were Achiman, Sheshai, and Talmai. Achimon, Miyuman, Shabachiv. Achimon was the most Miyuman. Miyuman is like appointed. Okay, uh, he's like chosen. He was like what we call the big Kahuna, literally, right? He was like the 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 the, the you know the, the big brother. Sheshai shemesim esaaretz. He caused the earth to be kishchasais, like um, wherever he stepped, there were the words not earthquakes, but it was there was like holes in the ground. Wherever he went, he was large, but not as large. As his uh, as his older brother, but he left craters wherever he walked. Talmai, what does Talmai mean? Shemesim esaaretz tulamim tulamim. Wherever he walked, he ended up like being a like the the fields got plowed because of uh, because of his shoes. Yeah, because of his feet. Wherever he went, the, the earth would get turned over. Dabaracher achiman bana anas sheishai bana alush talmai bana talbush. Yelide Ha'anak, and they were the sons, they were children of giants. What does that mean? Shemanikim Chama Bim Kaiman, because wherever they walked, they were so big, it looked like the sun was hanging from their neck. The Chevron, so there were giants that were there when, the, you know, when they showed up. There's like big Chevron had a place, they got some big guns there uh, protecting the land. The Chevron, Sheva Shanim Nibnasa. And by the way, just notice the greatness of Eretz Yisrael, even before we came in, right? Before. Kal Yisrael entered what, what the land was able to produce, what the water was creating. There's a fascinating Gemara, and that is that Chevron was Nivnasa. The word Bana, Nivnasa, literally means built. It was built for seven years. What do you mean it was built for seven years? If you look at the end of the Pasuk, it says it was built seven years before Tsayan. Tsayan was a city of Mitzrayim. Chevron was seven years before Tsayan and Mitzrayim. What does that mean? My Nivnasa. What does it mean? Hebron was built before Tsayan and Mitzrayim. Ilim on Nivnasa Mamish. If you mean that it literally was built before Tsayan and Mitzrayim, it's not possible. Efshar Adam Baina Bayas, Livnai Kotten Kaidem, Livnai Gadol. The problem is like this. 
a child can't build a house before. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, yeah. a parent doesn't build a, a younger child a house before an older child. were kush and then later Canaan. So Mitzrayim was an older child of Cham. So Mitzrayim had to be built prior to Canaan, and Hebron was in Canaan. So it, there's no way that Canaan was built before Mitzrayim. What it means is that Hebron was seven times more building, I'll explain what that means in a moment, of, than Tzayan. What does it mean more building? It, the productivity of Hebron was seven times greater than the productivity of Tzayan in Mitzrayim. You should know the worst land in Eretz Yisrael, the least productive land of Eretz Yisrael is in the vicinity of Hebron. And by the way, that's why they bury the dead there. If you would bury the dead in fertile land, it's Baltashkas. The fertile land, you can grow things. So that's why they made the burial spots in places where you didn't grow great things anyway. So that's why the Marasa Machpela is, is in Hebron. It's less fertile. So Hebron is from the least fertile parts of Eretz Yisrael. And, and the, the, the most fertile land of the Chutz Aretz is Egypt. And Tzayim was the most fertile of the land of, of, of Mitzrayim. And even though Tzayim is the most fertile of the fertile country, Hebron still produces more than seven times than Tzayim can produce. Says the Gemara, one second, you're telling me Hebron is not so great. The Hebron, Tarashim Hayu, is Hebron full of Tarashim, is it full of pebbles and rocks? But it says, And it was at the end of 40 years. And Avshalom said to the king, Let me go, I want to, uh, um, I want to complete my promise in Hebron. The Amar of Avir of Avir says, He went to bring sheep, from Hebron. Now, what, what do you see from uh, sheep from Hebron? We learned in Abraiza, Elim mi Mayav, Kavasim mi Hebron. Rams come from Mayav, sheep come from Hebron. Now, let me ask you a question. Why would you raise sheep in Hebron? If the best sheep come from Hebron, what are you going to do? If you have good sheep, where are you going to raise them? Most fertile land. Yeah. Where you got good grazing pastures. You got good pastures over there. You're going to raise them in stony places, in places that are full of pebbles and rocks. So don't tell me Hebron is all, is all stony. If Avshalom went to get the, the sheep from over there, from, from Hebron, it must be it's God's fine. Says the Gemara, no, 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 no. Listen here. Mino, I did the klisha'ara of the raya v'sham in Kenyaza. He said what happened is like this. That, that the, the, the whole point of your question is the very answer. Because... Since the soil is not so pro, is not so productive, so therefore you know what they do? They just grow grass there instead of growing plants and flowers and everything. So what do they do? They take the animals there. They're going to ruin the crop anyway, and that's where they, they take them because it's stony and animals walk around. So you did. You, you got your grass for haraya, and kinyana, and that's how they become fat without destroying any other part of uh, without destroying any other part of the land. Okay, we'll hold it here. We're up to the bottom line, and we'll pick up continuing on with the mice of the Maraglim. Have a wonderful, wonderful evening.